It is Locked on Jazz for the 28th of September. Day one, training camp. What did they do? What are the strengths of this team? And a philosophy of Will Hardy begins to show. The roster breakdown, lots of confusion. We'll dig in, and if time permits, I'll get to know on Colin Sexton. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available on all this app, every other podcast app, YouTube. Greatly appreciate it very much. Thanks to everybody who answered the poll question yesterday or the little comment section on YouTube. Some interesting things I asked on starting lineup, what everybody expected the starting lineup for the Jazz to be next year. It was kind of interesting to see, you know, this is what makes it exciting um, on what everyone thinks of this because there was a bunch of different answers in the chat room yesterday. A lot of Colin Sexton, Mike Conley. Uh, then, you know, the question is Kelly Linick, Laurie Marketing together. The question then was whether Jared Vanderbilt starts in there, whether Malik Beasley starts. Um, so it's going to be really, really interesting to see. Um, and there were a lot of different comments and different and points of view on it, which I thought was great. So I really appreciate um, everyone putting in their comments on it. Um, and then, uh, you know, there was a, a few abajis. So basically the idea was we one uh, Kyle said, hey, we're going to tr- we move Conley and Clarkson. Then it's Sexton, Beasley, Abaji, Markin, and Olenek. Um, Spencer, who always does great, had Colin... Conley, Sexton, Markin, and Vanderbilt, Olenek. So that's pretty interesting because now we're super big and long and Markin's back at the three, which I think everyone assumes that Markin's at the four. Um, there was uh, still Dre said Conley, Sexton, Beasley, Markin, and Vanderbilt. So then Olenek's coming off the bench, which is in, you know another option. So it was, it really, there was very few consensus. Connor also went to Collins, Sexton, Beasley, Markin, and Vanderbilt. Um I think Ron went to the kind of the one I was expecting to see the most often, which is Conley, Sexton, Beasley, Markinen, Olenek. Um, and then uh, then there's the old then there's kind of back to the let's just get super young, said Nate, and he was Sexton, Beasley, Abaji, Markinen, Kessler. So lots of different viewpoints. I, I'm not sure that anybody had the same one um, for uh, I was watching the chats come in in the comments yesterday, and and there wasn't anyone that I guess the most common was Conley, Sexton, Markin, and Vanderbilt, Alinek came in like twice. But other than that, there really hasn't been there wasn't a lot. Somebody else had Kessler in there. So to the point of yesterday's show, what an exciting training camp! We I mean, just so many kind of unknown things about where we're going and what we're doing. Today's poll question is going to be. 
who do you think doesn't make the team? Um, so that one's up there for you uh, and available for you in the comments section on YouTube if you want to make your comments on that. It's available. Who doesn't make the team? And we're going to dig into it. I've got a whole little sheet I'll share here um, if I actually do it correctly, which is, you know, always a little bit of a catch-22 with me. If I We're not a catch-22. It's always just a little bit of a mystery. But all right, day one, they really got after it. Um, they had refs there. They had two refs in there. Uh, and we walked in to see practice afterwards, and they were dripping sweat. Like, so the refs had gone hard. Uh, sounded like they came in and opened up with, like, an early stretch of the stuff, and then right away, a five-minute game. Boom, let's get right after it. Played a bunch of other five-minute games and before they finished with an entire quarter, it sounded like. Um, so really got after it. Will Hardy said, we did a lot of playing. They have to learn each other. His early goal of camp, and I talked to Will about, you know, the different setups of camp and the way he sees is like right now, they've got to get to know each other and get some structure. We'll try to put some things in for our first two preseason games. Then when they come back, he's got a week long before another preseason game. So he'll tweak and adjust to what kind of they learned in the first two preseason games, play those two games, and then they've got four days to get ready for the season. So kind of a three-part schedule here. Um, for the Jazz in their training camp and the way it's done out. So there's, this is kind of the opening. And what he said, I thought was really interesting. And this is beginning to get some insight into Will Hardy's philosophy. So he said, first thing is we want them to play a lot in camp. One, if you're going to get in shape, you're only getting in shape by being in playing basketball. You're not doing it by running or something else. Like basketball is how they're getting in shape. You And it's going to be on the court. So a lot of time playing in training camp, and that from the uh, talking to the players yesterday, Kelly Olenek, uh, Saban Lee, and Will himself, the the that was clear that they got after it yesterday with a bunch of different kind of scrimmages and things of that nature. Some interesting comments by Will Hardy, three of them in fact. One was it's time they've got to learn each other. Like they're going to be they've got. To, Second, they have to learn how to solve by each, with each, each other. In other words, I'm not going to, I don't have, you know, 48 timeouts. I'm not calling a timeout every minute. They're going to be out there. They're going to have to solve and learn each other well enough to solve their problems themselves. And then the third one that I loved that he said yesterday was that he's got to get them enough stru- structure here in the opening days to settle their minds so they can play. And so that to me was a little, you know, so beginning to get the idea of like, okay, so early here, we're going to give you enough structure so that we settle your mind. So we don't want to give you so much that like you're just overwhelmed and you're frozen by it. And then the next aspect of it is that we've really got to get you guys learning yourselves. You know, none of you have really played together and know who you are um, and, and have that relationship. So I thought that was, I thought that was super interesting. Um, from that standpoint of what he, what he had to say, uh, there, the other one, um, was I asked him, you know, there's two different kind of points of view on how you can do things. Um, and so one of them is the, you, you decide, Hey, we're, we're young. We don't know each other particularly well. We're going to go just master this one thing defensively. We're going to go master these two things offensively, but we're going to be super limited. A lot of, co- this is a common approach. And then as we get older and develop and we master those, then we'll start adding progressively. 
So there's kind of two schools of thought. I asked Will about that, and I, you know, it's a little bit of an oversimplification. And Will said we're going to try to be in the middle. And so what he said about this, though, is he said if you look at this team's strengths, um, there's two things that he thinks this team is is really good at. One is you know offensive skill set. Like it's a pretty good offensive team uh, over overall. And then the second was that we have roster versatility that you really look at the players they're not set into individual positions they're not set into individual uh you know they they have multiple like Malik Beasley can play up and down Jared but Jared Vanderbilt can play up and down the list uh Balmero on the on the other end like probably can play multiple positions here um probably some sequence of a one to three so you, you other than maybe Zeller Azabuke Kessler um you don't have, and maybe a Linux at this point in his career, you, you don't have guys that are just stuck to one position. So he, he believes that the strengths of this Jazz team are, one, their offensive ability, and two, their versatility. And because of the versatility, he thinks that that's how they have to play the game, particularly on the defensive end, with a great deal of versatility and, and changing things up and playing a bunch of different styles. So rather than being the team that goes and masters one style. We're going to be a drop big, no leave corners, um, whatever whatever that might be. Um, you know, a lot of teams, that's kind of the base, right? We'll be a drop big team, never leave strong side corner, just three or four fundamentals. We'll do it perfectly. The feeling I got from, from talking to Will Hardy yesterday is that we're going to have much more versatility because that's what makes this team good. Skilled offensively, versatile defensively, not a lot of players in set positions. He said, hey, we have guys that are are certainly better at some things than others. And therefore, we're going to have to put them into those positions. And so you're seeing him maybe bend and alter what we're doing. Now, here's an example. Like if you're going to play Jared Vanderbilt at five, you're then a switching defense. If you're playing Walker Kessler at five, you're now a drop big defense. You don't want to put Walker Kessler too far out on the perimeter. If you're suddenly playing the lineup that a bunch of guys uh, had on the in the chat room yesterday of Sexton, Beasley, Markin, and Vanderbilt, Linux, we might be a zone, right? You're pretty big. You might play zone because I don't really think that you want everyone's like Markin and Linux guarding a space might not be the greatest thing ever for you in multiple circumstances. And so then you alter a different way you play um, in that. So I, I thought a really interesting kind of day one, learning a little bit of what we're learning to see the philosophies and aspects of who this team are. And the biggest takeaways was, you know, they got to learn each other. He's got to settle their minds and that the versatility is a strength. And that's how Will Hardy's building the team right now. So some really interesting aspects there today's show uh we'll we'll look at the roster by the way i I brought it up at the end of the show yesterday i kind of did it in a sloppy fashion so we're gonna try to look at um we're gonna try to look at the roster here it is um for to of, of what everyone where their positions are who makes the team who's definitely in who's not so we'll look at that as we continue and try to get a vibe on like who's battling for what training camp 
spots in these next four preseason games, which is pretty incredible. We haven't had this in a while. Such an interesting preseason we have coming up here for the Utah Jazz. Uh, today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Hyundai lineup of cars, unprecedented of what you can get for your dollar. Uh, as you guys know, probably by now, I have just a basic Hyundai used car lot at my house right now. I'm driving a Sonata, which is a fabulous sedan. Um, all I, I really, if you if you're looking for a sedan, I can't imagine getting more bells, more whistles, more drive power, all those kind of things um, from from a car and at the price that this is right now. Then uh, we just bought the Ionic, which is the electric car, wanting to to have us, you know. The, That's self-explanatory. And we've got two of the Santa Fe's. So really, just absolutely fabulous lineup of cars. 150 new available uh, Hyundais right now as they are beginning to get the supply chain back in line uh, for you. So the Santa Fe, the Tucson, the Little Kona, all available. If you're going to stop by any of the locations, please email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com so we can get you the VIP experience with Cam in Murray, with Jake in Linden. We'll make sure we take care of you in all in all those regards. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net, where you can get all your odds, news, information, NBA odds. I, I am mesmerized. I brought it up yesterday in the show. I, I, I think this is where this league is just so different than it's than it really maybe has ever been that you've got the Warriors, the Celtics, the Bucks, the Nets, the Clippers, all at under a thousand to one. The 76ers could win this thing at 1600 to one. It's not a lot to make me think the Nuggets could win this thing at 1800 to one. The Lakers are probably a stretch at 22. If Luka becomes the MVP, is Dallas that big a stretch at 25? Like you, like the other one they have is conference futures. So who's going to win the Western Conference? I could make an argument on nine teams getting to the Western Conference Finals this year, and a, a legitimate argument that nine different teams could make the Western Conference Finals. Now, that's not winning the West, um, but they have it as Golden State at plus 325, Clippers at plus 375, Suns at 550, I don't, Lakers at plus 700, which they're not good. I think they're the ninth best team. Maybe eighth best team. I'll be running my um I'll be running my uh points gain numbers here and we'll look at two, uh list of 242 as well as we get closer list of 240 is how many rosters have 240 minutes of NBA minutes on their roster the nuggets at plus 850 murray and porter come back and are healthy that's totally legit memphis at plus 1100 they were totally legit last year dallas with luka at plus 1200 totally legit rudy's going to win a lot of regular season games for minnesota at plus 1400 and it only takes a minute to have zion get hot and brandon ingram to make minnesota at plus 1800 then it falls off the map then it's portland at plus 5000 and the Kings at plus 8,000, we're at plus 20,000. So I think that's a stretch. But it's all at betonline.net. Thanks so very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. As uh, your, For your second listen, ton of amazing NFL content for you at Locked on NFL. The prediction show comes out every week. That's been a huge success. Um, as well as our game-to-game show, which we'll have for the NBA season this year as well. Um, and I think you'll love it. It's the, about a minute and a half quick updates after every game from our local experts. It'll be available on Lockdown NBA as well. So uh, grab that. All right, let's get to the roster. By the way, 
I'll just point this out. As the roster sits right now, and maybe we're not as in full tank mode as everybody is trying to make us seem to be, is this this roster's as good as Portland's right now. All right, so what I've done here, for those of you on YouTube and those of you who are listening, I'll try to make it clear. I've I've put in yellow the players that I, I feel pretty comfortable are gonna are are on the roster. Um so that's Mike Conley, Colin Sexton, Malik Beasley, Lowry Markin, and Kelly Olinick, Jordan Clarkson, Simone Fuchecchio, Ochiabaji, Jared Vanderbilt, Walker Kessler, and then I added the 11th, which is Talon Horton Tucker. Talon Horton Tucker is making $10.2 million this year. If nothing else, his val- I, I think he can play. Let me be clear on this. But his value also as a $10 million contract as we move to the trade deadline is significant enough that he actually makes the roster even if he doesn't play well. Like, that's a significant, and the fact that he is a player option next year at $11 million, so in likelihood he probably opts out if he's playing well. He's also talented, right? So I think that's a part. But I, I think Taylor Horton Tucker's on the roster um, as much for that as, as anything else. So what gets really interesting is, so that's 11, and you're looking to have 15, and then Johnny Juzang is 16, and I thought there was a report that we signed a G League All-Star last year who played at Wisconsin out of, originally out of Ohio State. Uh, I think his name was Micah Potter, um, but I don't see him on our training camp roster, so I'm not sure what's what's happened there, um, but sh- I thought Shams had a report on that. Um, so anyway, irrelevant. So Johnny Juzang's on two-way. So he actually doesn't go into this. I saw some people, Spencer always does a great job with this. So it gets really interesting when you start to see that there's four, we have four roster spots that you're tr- that that get filled here. And I have Vanderbilt as the center. It would, it, it, Rudy Gay's 6.2 million and a player option for next year seems like he would be like one of the more likely guys to act, to make this roster. He had a funky year last year. He, you know, he really is trying to build himself back. Um, Balmero, with three years of of control, to me seems like someone that you gets gets pretty interest that you'd probably want to have come back. He's got two point five this year, two point six next year, and you have the option of four point three on the next year. So it, unless you just think Balmero's got zero development then then I think you know it'll be interesting that that to me again contracts matter here when you look at rosters and that contract on Balmero to me seems like that's helping his cause a little bit in this effort now this gets super interesting after this and you know we talked about yesterday Saban Lee is the 39th pick of the draft Jared Butler's a 40th Saban Lee has one more year experience he's a little longer, defensive-minded. Jared's more offensive-minded. Um, you know, obviously the Jazz drafted Jared. Uh, Justin Zanuck, Danny Ainge was probably involved in that in some level. I don't think actually officially he was. Now that I think about it, he was joined midway through last year, so he wasn't. So that's still a Justin uh, Zanuck pick, and Justin's still in the front office, so he has advocates. Um, I, I think I'd heard that Danny was a fan, so that's kind of what my my pause was there. Um Anyway, it, it you know that's a real battle. Like I think Jared Butler is playing at 1.5 million restricted free agent at the end of next year. Saban Lee is 1.7 million and 1.9 club option, so that the Jazz actually would have an extra year of control under Saban Lee. 
which could be when you're trying to make a decision, these things are part of the equation and do matter. You heard, uh, I thought, the Will Hardy quote about we have a group of players that are better at one thing than another. So Jared Butler is better at probably creating, his hesitation showed to be totally viable last year, able to get into the paint, make plays. Saban Lee's known as a defensive player. He's only a 26% three-point shooter. Has a hard time, you know, with that. Um, with shooting right now, does that get better? But he also is a guy you can bring off the bench for, you want versatility, pick up full court, play 10 minutes a night, really be, you know, hassle the heck out of the ball and have a massive impact um, in that regard. I think if you're thinking about point guards, I think right now as we're built 48 minutes of this roster is Mike Conley and Colin Sexton as your point guard and they're just going to be alternating. Now, if you're going to trade Mike Conley at some point, what do you, you know, does it matter if it, does Saban Lee or Jared Butler get you into offenses better? Then there's Nikhil Alexander-Walker who's a former first round pick. Those two guys are both second round picks. Alexander-Walker's bigger, longer, um, you know, uh, maybe more athletic, has some versatility between the one and two, has just been unfortunately inefficient offensively, but super skilled and kind of a weird, wonky little route of his career so far. And so how does he fit into this? You know, um, if you buy in that Rudy Gay's probably got a spot, unless you just decide that he doesn't match and you're going to stretch his $12 million, um, in some way, uh, or and it's gonna be. I think it'd be hard to trade Rudy Gay after his season last year. So you could decide to do that. Balmero, if you kind of think that the player control matters, maybe not. Um, ha, and he therefore has a spot uh, on your roster. Then this gets really interesting of how you play these other pieces and how everybody fits in. The way I'm looking at it, you know, if you you have probably eight guys for four spots, um, if. Once you kind of, if if you pen in Taylor Horton Tucker the way I have, which I think is, I think is, you know, a ten, again, 10 million, just even, even if he's just not playing well as a trade asset at the deadline is too big a deal as a contract to just, um, to unload. And then because it's a player option, if you unload him, it's, it, it's 22 million. So I, I'm pretty hundred, like I'm a hundred percent certain Taylor Horton Tucker at that salary makes this roster and he's good, right? Like Andy's got skills, um, which I think. I don't want to under the money matters, but you've got to be able to play. So to me, it's these eight names for four spots. You've got Adoka Azabuke and Cody Zeller. And that one can Azabuke stay healthy. And do you believe in him? Cody Zeller is a really good plus minus player. Who's just been crippled by nine years of injuries. Um, and how, you know, can he fit like before the Kelly Olenek trade? I actually thought Cody Zeller was going to start a bunch of games for us this year. So, you know, can, does he find a way to make the roster? Stanley Johnson, who was a former top 10 pick, evolving in his game, still trying to find it, had some really good games with the Lakers last year. Does he have a way to to make it into this roster? These are quality NBA players. The other thing I think is really, really interesting about this Jazz roster as we look at it right here. On If you're on YouTube, you can see it. If you're on audio, you're just kind of playing along. Is I always talk about the rule of 240. Do you have 240 viable NBA minutes for your group. And what what gets interesting here on this is if you say that Mike Conley's got 30 for you and Colin Sexton probably has 34 and Beasley's got 26 viable minutes and Markkanen's probably got 30 and Lennox probably got 25 minutes, then Jordan Clarkson's certainly going to give you, what, 26 viable NBA minutes. And Foncecchia, we don't know. Abaji, we don't know. Jared Vanderbilt certainly gives you about 24 viable minutes. And Taylor Horton Tucker, I think, gives you about you know 15, 
let's give him 20 viable minutes, you start to put together actually a little bit more of than you would think on a roster that's this um, limited. You you end up with about, of the 240 minutes you're looking for, you end up with about 220 of the 240 minutes. So if Abaji or Kessler or Foncecchio turns out to be a completely viable player and able to give you 20 quality NBA minutes, which honestly most rookies never do, so let's be really clear on that, um, then all of a sudden you actually have uh, enough minutes for this team to be able to, to play 240. And if we have 240 viable minutes uh, on our NBA roster, what I actually think happens next is that you, that's where you're suddenly, you're a playing team. Like you're, you're making the playing game at that point. All right, it is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. That'll be super interesting to see how that plays out. One thing I want to do in our in our final segment uh, each day moving forward is kind of let you get to know kind of one of our players and who they are. And so it, based on my prep and some of their skill sets and what they are, and uh, we're going to do Colin Sexton um, today. We'll talk about Colin Sexton. Uh, and who he is and some of his background and things of that nature um, as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. So Sexton, the young bull, will probably be our leading scorer this year, right? Like that's probably his his role more than anything else is he's going to be the guy we're relying on to do the, the most scoring, make the most plays, and he averages 20 points a game in his NBA career. So this is not a big leap that we're asking out of Colin Sexton. He only played 11 games last year, but in the 2021 season, he averaged 24 points a game, three rebounds, four assists. He shot 48% for the field. He shot, um, he, he shot 48% from the field, 37% from three and 82% from the free throw line. So he's a he's not like I know the Donovan comparison is probably one we want to stay away from and not talk about a lot, but it's actually, you know, there's some like kind of understanding of who we're talking about as a player. Um so Sexton is um is not as good as nowhere near the shooter that Donovan is. That that would not that's probably like the biggest difference, but he can get into the paint, he can draw fouls. He can do some pretty terrific things um, in in scoring and is a bona fide, bona fide scorer. From a shooting standpoint, um, the NBA did a nice little thing for me. So as a career catch-and-shoot guy, he's at 41%, which is bona fide. His off-the-bounce shooting is only 34.5. I was surprised his catch-and-shoot's that high. Like, that's a really big-time number at 41% on catch and shoot. So Sexton, interestingly, for his career, is the best catch and shoot guy we have on the roster. So suddenly playing off Mike Conley seems like a really viable thing. Conley's at 40%. Um, so I didn't know that about Sexton. That, that, was, a, that was a surprise for me uh, to learn. And so as much as we always think about him not being as good a shooter as Donovan, I, those numbers actually are not going to be dramatically different. He takes seven shots a game at the rim. He takes eight mid-range shots. He's got a floater. His shot chart's super interesting. It's straight down the middle. Just everything with Sexton is straight down the middle. Um, And so, you know, that's kind of what the game 
um, allows for him to do. He's in the 92nd percentile in the 2021 season of getting to the line by guards. So really gets to the guards great. Really, really interesting. First two years, 100% point guard. And then since then, because of Darius Garland, has played less. Um, His best three-point shot is high right. That's probably catch and shoot, playing off somebody else. Um, Worth noting in his rookie year, and took some grief for this from the veterans, he had the lowest assist to usage rate of any player in the league. So in other words, he was not passing, not creating uh, for other people. Um, and he can score. He's gone over 40 twice in his career. He's gone over 30 11 times in his career. Now, a little background on him. Um, this guy is was kind of unfound. He then uh, gets discovered and is going to go to the, a U.S. camp in Colorado Springs. And so he gets an altitude mass to start training. This is while he's in high school. And he's training and training and training, trying to get better. And he actually drives himself to the point where he collapses in a workout session with this altitude mask on, trying to get ready for Colorado Springs on short notice and like freaks everyone out. They think he's literally worked himself out to death because this guy goes that hard. His father had to take the keys away from him, took the keys away from him because he was going to the gym too much. So then he actually started biking to the gym. And I think his dad actually had to take his bike and the keys away. Um, Avery Johnson supposedly had security called called Avery Johnson when he was the head coach at Alabama at 3.30 in the morning because somebody was in the gym. So this is kind of who Colin Sexton is. He just is a worker, 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 worker. Um, his older brother, Jordan, and by the way, I asked every single one of these players where they are in birth order. Almost all of them are the youngest. Very few of them are the oldest. Uh, so his older brother, Jordan, so, Family built on basketball. He was always competing with his older brother. His dad was the local AAU coach uh, for much of his life growing up, watching that. Um, <clears throat> and when he was seven, he and his brother figured out they could move the hoop into the garage and found a way. They had a high garage, so they found out a way to... And and some of the feeling is that he drives the basket and plays so much going to the rim because he was playing his brother on a hoop that was in the garage, so it was hard to get high shots up and off when he was little, um, and it got cold in Marietta, Georgia, where where he grew up. So uh, his legendary story, if you don't know it, is he was they were playing Minnesota at Alabama. They're down 10 with 10 to play. Their bench gets ejected, and they play three on five the rest of the way. He brings them back to within a bucket. He scores 40 points um, in the game, and uh, he, he kind of he wills them, and that, that vaulted him up the board after that summer of 2016 when I told he worked himself out to like the point where they thought he was going to collapse. He went from unranked, he went to the camp in Colorado Springs, and then he ends up being the number nine prospect out of all of high school uh, and decides to take a little bit of a different route, goes to Bama and plays for Avery Johnson, wanting to turn the football school into a basketball school. Uh, he definitely ignited them uh, while he was there. And, and the final note on him, like if you think he's got a little competitive juice to him, Ky- he, gets, he, he gets traded in the Kyrie Irving deal. So uh, when Kyrie Irving went to Boston from Cleveland, Boston's pick is what came back to Cleveland, and they use it to draft Colin Sexton. So he's Kyrie's replacement. His career-high 42 is the night in which Kyrie returned to uh, Cleveland. He scores 20 straight at one point in that game and completely takes the thunder away from uh, Kyrie Irving. So that's a little bit on Colin Sexton. We'll do that as our third, our final thing each day. 
throughout all of training camp on one of our players so you can just get a little bit more background uh, on who they are as we get to learn them and who they are. We'll look at Malik Beasley uh, probably tomorrow. So hopefully you enjoyed that. If you got any other things you really want during camp and as we get going, the schedule, uh, I'm here every day. That We leave Saturday to go to Edmonton, play Sunday against Toronto. We go to Portland. We'll be in Portland on Monday. And then Tuesday we play uh, the Blazers for... Um, and get ready for that. Then before that, we come home. Then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they're all off. Uh, and, and then all the way till for seven days. So that's Will Hardy's second kind of training camp right in there. Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz today and making it your first listen. Locked on NBA Big Board. Rafael Barlow is traveling the world with Victor Weminyama. And you can find out what he's seeing from all of that. He's out in Paris right now. And that's all at Locked on NBA Big Board. Have a good one.